0: listening to Connection Church's podcast. As I was praying and just getting ready to come out and speak to you guys and and just praying about what God had put in my heart, um, I was going through my Bible and, and I was actually about to mark a scripture that the Lord had just put in my heart to share with you. And there was a paper clip that was... Uh, attached to my Bible, I use paper clips a lot of times to mark the pages I'm going to be talking out of, and and it was barely hanging on to my Bible. And uh, I don't know how God speaks to you, but God speaks to me a lot of times through very common things. And when I saw that paper clip, it was barely hanging on. I felt like that's probably where a lot of you guys are today. And I went to the scripture that God had put in my heart. And I wanted to read it to you real quick. It's out of Isaiah 55, verse six, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the pine tree. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. I want to encourage you. If you're in that place today, seek the Lord. Seek him while he may be found. Listen, if you're walking in the ways of the wicked, it says just to turn, you won't find judgment, you'll find mercy. You'll find a God who gives peace. You'll find a God who loves you through the difficulty, through the circumstances. It might not even make sense to you, but his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. They're not my thoughts, they're not my ways. That's why I have to surrender my thoughts and my ways to him so that he can give me his thoughts. His thoughts are greater than mine. His thoughts are beyond mine. His plans are beyond my plans. His his glory is beyond the glory that I can create with my own hands. And if we'll turn to Him and we'll turn to His word and we'll surrender to Him, He promises that His word will accomplish everything that He sends it to do. And His promises that we'll go out in joy, we'll be led forth in peace. That there's a day coming that even the mountains and the hills will burst into song. The trees will clap their hands. And he promises to take those things in our lives that were difficult, that weren't producing fruit, and give things that do produce fruit. That he produces fruit in our lives, good fruit for his kingdom and for his glory. And so I don't know if I'm speaking to one of you or if I'm speaking to a hundred of you. I don't. I really don't know. But this is what I do know. The Lord put this in my heart for someone. My encouragement to you is hold on, hold on to him, cling to him, whatever you're facing, whatever the struggle may be, hold on to him. Plant your feet firmly upon his word and upon his promises. Praise him not with lips and a heart this far from him, but draw near with your heart. Turn from your ways and trust in his ways. You'll find for yourself a God who gives mercy, a God who plants your feet on solid ground, and a God who wants to produce fruit for his kingdom in your life, your life, not the person sitting next to you's life, your life. So I encourage you, turn to him while he may be found. Don't forsake that opportunity. Don't forsake the opportunity for salvation if you haven't come to a relationship with Him. Don't forsake the opportunity of service that He's given us to reach other people. Don't forsake the opportunity of repentance that allows us to turn from our ways and turn to His ways, to turn from ourselves and turn to Him, a life-giving God. So can we pray together today? I want to pray. I know you're supposed to do this at the end of the service, but I want to pray today for people who maybe you're here and, and... and that just describes kind of where you are maybe just holding on i'm gonna ask you if you would if you'd go ahead and begin to pray and ask the lord to speak to your heart i'm going to ask you that you would begin to pray for those who are here and find themselves in this place but if that speaks to your heart today would you just slip your hand up in the air and let me know who i'm praying for that today you find yourself in that place amen you just put your hand up and we're gonna we're gonna pray for you jesus we thank you for opportunity to pray together, to come together, to come to you. Jesus, we turn our hearts to you this morning. Let us forsake our way, God, the way that leads to death, and let us walk in the way that leads to life, your way. Let us realize that your ways are not our ways, but your ways are far better. Your ways do lead to life. But our nature is not to follow it. Father, I pray for those who this morning say I need you God I thank you that you're faithful to come to them I thank you God that you would breathe fresh breath into them a fresh wind into their spirits and into their hearts I pray that you would speak to their hearts this morning Jesus Father we love you and we praise you and we thank you Holy Spirit please come and have your way here today move in us and through us and among us Work a great work in us so that you can do a great work through us, Lord. God, to those who mock you, bring them to their knees that they might see who you truly are. To those who praise you, God, lift our voices even higher to give you the worship that you deserve. God, let us find everything we need in you because you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. We love you and we thank you and we praise you jesus name amen amen well i hope you guys are well today i'm excited to be back in statesboro it's good to be back in the states after a week in honduras it was an awesome trip with some awesome guys um, who i got to spend a lot of time with we were able if you may have seen pictures on uh, facebook or instagram that we posted of this building going up in Honduras that um, we went to their service on Sunday. I actually was able to preach uh, this service in Honduras. Um, And it it was interesting because they just sat out under a tree and they had some different, uh, the the church was actually where they, their church, uh, the tree was actually what marked where their church was. And so I was able to go out and preach to them. Um, and, And it was different because I had to preach with a translator. So it'd be like, you know, I'd be like, so Jesus is great. Pause. You know, it was kind of weird because you had to stop. And then he would say in, in Spanish. And then I would say something that was kind of different. It was, but I did realize that um, I'm, I'm very capable of losing people in two different languages. So it doesn't matter which language it's in, I can lose them in either one. And so, uh, but it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome trip. We still continue to pray. I would ask you to pray because we've got um, 10 other folks who are down there now. Um, actually, eight other folks. Two stayed for this next week, too. Um, and then we've got another group going next week. So um, it's been an incredible thing. When we're done, um, we're going to have this church built for them. And uh, it's going to be an awesome thing for them, yeah. <laughs> These people have been worshiping, they worship in the rain, they worship in the heat. Um, pastor Sam, Samuel, um, who is the senior pastor of this church and has planted this church and goes through the mountains, reaching these little villages, um, he, he, uh, he actually um, has asked us just to continue to pray for them because he, there's a great mission there that's taking place. Um, and and you see this taking place, Um, he said there's a lot of times that uh, they call him when it's raining and they're like, where are you? And he's like, it's raining. And they're like, yeah, but we're here, right? And it's about a twenty, twenty-five minute ride from his house up the mountains. And when I say up the mountains, I mean up the mountains. I'm talking about curves, and, and it was crazy. Like I did things this this week with my son um, in the back of that pickup truck, riding around in the mountains. I was like, if Susan sees this, she's gonna kill me. So put up the GoPro, no pictures, because if we don't die in this on this mountain, she's gonna kill me when I get home. And so, um, but but they would call and say, hey, we're here to worship, and and uh, we want you to come. And and he would say, okay. And so he'd go and in the rain, they would worship Jesus and he would preach the word. And so it was very encouraging, very awesome thing to see. Um, Today here at Connection, um, we're going to be in uh, the sixth part of this series called the letters. Um, This letter is written to the church in Philadelphia. If it was one word that I would sum up for the church in Philadelphia, it was opportunity. Um, this is what I want you to see today, the opportunity that God set before them, the opportunity that God sets before us. Um, and so we're just going to pray again. I just want to pray that this word would sink into our hearts. I, I just want to um, pray, and then we're going to just go through this text and see what the Lord has to say to us. So if you will, pray with me. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy We thank you for your word. And and just as we just read, Lord, we know that it does not return void. It accomplishes every purpose that you send it forth. Well, today, God, I ask that you would just send it forth to bring us closer to you, to awaken hearts to salvation, to awaken our hearts to opportunity that lies before us. Because, God, I know just as the church in Philadelphia had great opportunity, so do we have great opportunity to reach those who are far from you and for ourselves to draw close to you. So Let's not forsake that opportunity, Jesus. Let's take full advantage of that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there's opportunity all around us and and many times we don't realize this Um, we saw this clearly um, in Honduras what great opportunity there is we hope to be able to form a partnership with this church um, in order to see more and more people reached Um, and and so uh, as we 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 pray through this and everything we're praying that God will lead us in that Um, but just to give you an example of the week we had um, and how we saw God move yesterday and I want to show a picture to you I think we've got a picture that doesn't look like anything spectacular happening in that picture. But yesterday, as we're coming down the mountain, headed to the airport um, to board the plane to fly back to Atlanta, um, we pull over, and there are several times that we were pulled over by the Honduran national police. Um, just they just doing road checks and that kind of thing. So I'm thinking I'm sort of towards the back of the bus. I'm thinking that's what's taking place right now. Um, as we pull over, though, um, there was no police out there. And so I asked Pastor Samuel, who you see up in the front of the bus on the right, we asked him like, "What's up, Samuel? What's going on?" And he said, um, "The bus driver wants to receive Christ." And we were like, "What?" And he's like, "The bus driver wants to accept Christ." And so we're, we're floored. We're blown away. We're like, okay, cool. I couldn't help it. I had to snap a picture. But that's what's taking place right there. I think that's Matthew Ward's head you can see kind of bent down pray, And that's Pastor Samuel on the right. And that's our bus driver on the left who is praying at that moment to receive Jesus into his life. And that's the kind of thing that we were able to be a part of. I was able to watch people who would walk the closest one to that church. Uh, was 30 minutes away, a mile away. And if there's any place you could walk uphill both ways, it would be Honduras. It's just the way the mountains, I mean, there's mountains everywhere. Um, and, and, and I would tell you, uh, I would see these people coming, and I would watch them coming just to worship, and I would see um, these people who had come to faith in Christ, um, people who swore they would never attend church coming to Jesus. Uh, I started seeing uh, people crawling through barbed wire fences with children just to be able to get to a place of worship. I said, like I told you, the closest one was 30 minutes away, a mile away in the mountains. We were able to go to this young lady's house, or say young lady, she was probably in her fifties. Um, we were able to go to her house for some of us as a young lady. And so, um, we, we went to her house and, and she offered us coffee. These ladies would come from 30 to 45 minutes to an hour away in the daytime to bring us warm, fresh baked cake and coffee. And they had this great smile on their face, and the smile came from Jesus. And I'm telling you this because I'm not trying to put anybody in a guilt trip because this is what I realized when I was preaching over there. There are some people there who, who aren't any more interested in the Word than some people here. There are some people there who are so interested in the Word and so in love with Jesus, um, just like they are here. And the thing I realized is that the people are people, right? And, and, and what I realized in that moment was how great of a church we actually do have. I realized that I was serving with some guys who two or three years ago, who knows what they would have been doing, but it would not have been building a church in Honduras for people who couldn't build one for themselves. And I began to see the depth that they had grown into. And so rather than coming back discouraged, I came back very encouraged that God is doing the same type of work here that he's doing in Honduras. We look very different, we, we, we act very different, and we have a very different culture, but the reality is we serve the same God, and the same God that's drawing people from afar over there and drawing them near to him is still drawing people here close to him and bringing people who swore they'd never go to church, bringing them close to him, and we're seeing this great move of God here like they're seeing this great move of God there. Very different, but very much the same. And I want you to see today this great opportunity that God has placed before us. This great opportunity to reach people. See, I believe this with all my heart. I believe in 1982, or 83, whenever it was, when Georgia Southern football came um, to be and, and people started, we started winning national championships and people started coming to this town and that college started growing and people started coming, professors and restaurants and, and, and students, they all started coming. I'm just, I'm just kind of foolish enough, maybe crazy enough, maybe naive enough to believe that God built that university so that we would have people to reach. I believe that there's this great opportunity for us. And I believe this is what God wants us to see today. As we look at this text, as we look at the scripture, uh, it says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. So this is Jesus speaking through John, writing to this sixth church. He says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who is holy and true. See, here's the thing I want you to see. The very first thing that I see in that is one, that God speaks to us. Primarily, he speaks to us through his word, but two, his words are holy and true. It means they are different. Remember, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Um, They're different, but they're also very true. And so we can trust them. But what I've realized from Honduras to the United States is our human nature is not to trust God's word. Our human nature is not to do what we always say, listen to God and do what he says. Our nature is to go our own way. Our nature is to turn from him and to go and do our own thing. But then he follows that up by saying, after he says there, these are the words of him who is holy and true. He says, who holds the key of David. Now this is a lot of symbolism, but what I want you to understand about the key of David is when Jesus says that, what he's talking about is his authority. He's talking about the fact that he has authority. Not only is he holy and is he true and is his word holy and is his word true, but he has authority over the entire creation. Why? Because he created it. And so he holds the key of David. David was a king. Through David, uh, God prophesied, prophesied to David, told David that there would be one from his lineage who would sit on the throne forever. This is hundreds of years before Jesus ever came into being. And Jesus now comes from the lineage of David. And he sits on the throne forever. And so that's what I want you to see in this. One, that his words are holy and true. They're able to be trusted. They're trustworthy. He's faithful to do what he says. We can trust him enough to listen to him and do what he says. The second thing is that he has authority over everything. He has authority over everything. And the Bible says that what he opens, because he has authority, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And so he's talking about these doors of opportunity. He's saying whatever he opens is open because he has authority. Whatever he shuts is shut. He has authority. Uh, Because, and no one can open them. See, what I see so many times in church and in the life of Christians and in the life of unbelievers is God swings wide these doors of opportunity for us to walk through and yet we think somehow we can just resist his grace and resist his spirit and yet God beckons us to come through this door. Then many times God closes doors that are before us and rather than just submitting to that we try to pry them open the reality of it is it's not going to be right we're going to beat our heads against the door so to speak trying to open things that don't need to be open the best thing we can do is simply listen to God and do what he tells us to do because he is holy he is trustworthy and he has authority and if we're fighting against him today we're fighting a battle that we're going to lose the best thing to do is just to surrender to who he is and what he's done in our, for us and in our lives. He says, I know your deeds. I know the things you're doing. I know the things you've done. I know the good, I know the bad. I know the areas you've been faithful. I know the areas you've been unfaithful. He says, see, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And what's the open door? I, I believe this. I believe that open door represents two things. I believe the first thing it represents is an open door of salvation that Jesus created this open door, that he himself was the door. The Bible talks about him being the gate that we must enter into, the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is saying on one hand in this, I've set before you an open door of salvation. The other thing that I believe this door represents, this open door, is an opportunity for service an opportunity to serve Jesus, an opportunity to serve those around us. And so there's two opportunities that God has opened. And, and I think this, I, I really believe this. So many times people worry about where they are instead of what they're doing. Especially when I talk to young people, they're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, do we really think we can screw up God's plan? Like, if you're, if you're seeking the Lord with a pure heart, he gets you where he wants you to be when he wants you to be there. And and these doors of opportunity, he leads us through. The most important question to ask is, what am I doing where I am? Who am I serving? What am I serving? Am I serving Jesus or am I serving others? In in your profession, who are you serving? In your school, who are you serving? Uh, What are you doing? How are you living your life? So that one, you can walk through this door of salvation, have you, and 2 so that you're serving and doing the things that God's given you opportunity to do. See, this church in Philadelphia was a church that had been positioned perfectly to reach people. There were many um, roads that came through Philadelphia. There were were traffic that constantly came through there, in and out of there. And, And it was actually set up as a place that would spread Greek culture throughout Asia. And the thing that we see now is that God had a greater plan when pagans established that City. what he had in mind was not the spread of Greek culture, but the spread of the gospel. And I believe this, that God has a greater plan for Statesboro than football. God has a greater plan for Statesboro than a university. God has a greater plan for Statesboro than one of the... fastest growing cities uh, in the state of Georgia, God has a plan to reach people through his gospel. God has opened wide a door of opportunity for people to come into salvation. He's also opened a door of opportunity for us to serve people so that they can come into salvation. So there's a greater purpose on our lives than just spending it satisfying ourselves. There's no such thing as a me-centered gospel. There's no gospel that makes us the focal point. We're not the main author of the story, nor are we the main character of the story. We are people um, who God has saved, who God has given grace, um, and we have just simply received His grace. We've been saved by grace um, through faith. And so what we need to see is that there's a bigger plan. We're not the center of the universe. He is, and he's called us and given us opportunity to be used and to do the things that, that he has in mind that are his thoughts and his ways. He says, is that a place before you, a door of opportunity or an open door that no one can shut? He said, this door is open. He has the authority to open it. He has the authority to close it. And here's the thing I want you to see and I want you to understand. This isn't um, something that people say often in church anymore, but the reality of it is, folks, this open door of salvation, this open door of opportunity, one day the one who has authority, the one who has the keys of David, the one who's made a way for us to walk through that door is going to close it. So the time is urgent. The time is urgent. If we care about people, and you can't grow closer to Jesus and care less for people, if we care about people, the time to serve is urgent. The time to go is urgent. The time to reach people is urgent. If you care about people, the the time is now. The day of salvation is here while the door is open. If we're here today and and, and we're not uh, letting God use our lives the way he wants us to, the the open door is not always going to be there. But today is the day. Today is the time. Now is the time. He says that this is a door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I know that you have little strength, See, here's the thing I see in this, because many of us wonder, well, what can I do? Let me tell you what you can do. You can do as much as God puts in you. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. You can do great things as God does great things through you. He recognizes in them that you don't have the strength to open the door. You don't have the strength to do everything that I've called you to do, but he will be our strength. See, here's the thing. God knows our limitations. Think even to the example of Moses. Moses couldn't speak. What did God tell us? Or what did God tell Moses? He said, I'm sending your brother Aaron to come to you. See, where we are weak, he is strong. I would tell you that your weakness is not a hindrance. Your weakness is the platform that God desires to use to show his strength. I hate public speaking. I get to do it about probably counting other things, probably about 60, 70 times a year. But God takes a weakness and he uses it for a strength. I guess he does. You keep coming back. Sometimes I look out the window. I'm like, well, they came back this Sunday. I don't know why, but they came back. But God takes our weaknesses and he uses them for strength. He knows our limitations. He's telling them, don't let your weakness, don't let your lack of influence, don't let um, your, your inability to speak, don't let your lack of knowledge, don't let all of that make you feel disqualified. Just step into the calling that God's given you. Do what he's called you to do. Shut up with the excuses and get on board. Listen to God and do what he says. And so he wants us to see this. He knows our limitations and yet he's made provision for those. Your limitations are an opportunity for God's strength to be seen, for God to be made known, Yet you have kept my word, he says, even in your weakness, even in your lack of strength, even in this time of persecution, you've kept my word and have not denied my name. In other words, what he's saying to them is you have been obedient and you've been faithful to all I've told you to do. What an awesome testimony that when this thing is all said and done, maybe when you and I are old and we, 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 we've gone on to be with Christ and we've stopped doing this, how cool to hear that you have been obedient and you have been faithful. In this church, because we step through the doors of opportunity that God has opened for us. The everyday doors. Listen, the everyday opportunities that God has set before us. What opportunities has he set before you to share the gospel? What opportunities has he set before you so that you can show people the love of Christ? Verse nine says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Here's the thing that I want you to see in that verse is that God is telling them, even those who are persecuting you, even those who are telling you you are wrong, even those who are putting you down, even those who who won't get on board, even those who have the hardest hearts, even those who are cynical of God, even those who make fun of Jesus, even those who make fun of your own faith, even those people, if you will live faithfully and obediently following the Holy Spirit, even some of those people will one day bow down in salvation, and saying yes to Jesus. And he's saying, these people, these very people who are persecuting you, one day I'm going to show them so much of my love in you that they're going to bow. They're not bowing to these Christians in worship. What they're doing is they are bowing in recognition that they are the true people of God. You know how much it takes for a Jewish person to say that? But he's saying, I'll do such a great work in their hearts and in their lives through you that one day they will bow in recognition that you are God's people and some of those people will even come to faith. He says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Some people question whether this is uh, like Jesus coming back and the rapture taking place. Some people question if it's just going to be an intense time of persecution. But the, the thing that Jesus is wanting them to see is because you've kept my commands, because you've been obedient, because you've been faithful, because you've endured patiently, the thing I want you to see is that I'm going to be your security. I'm going to be the one who takes care of you. And I would ask you today where do you find your security? Where do you find uh, your strength? Is it in following Christ and what he does and the work of his hands, or is it in the work of your hands? Is it in a bank account? Is it in a house? Is it in a car? Did you drive your security to work this morning or to church this morning? What is it that you look to for security? Are your feet planted firmly on the foundation of Jesus? Or is there something else that you're trusting in? He says, I'm coming soon. Hold to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He's saying, hold on. I told you this morning, hold on, hold to him. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But if we'll hold to him, he promises this this crown. If you go throughout scripture, you can look in the book of James. You can look earlier on in Revelation. This crown represents the crown of life. But see, for Christians, life doesn't just start when we die. Life starts at the moment that we say yes to Christ. And so we have life. He's saying, if you'll hold on to me, I'll give you life. Remember um, in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have life. Right? He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. My encouragement is to hold on so that no one takes your crown of life. We get so worried about so many things. We get so worried about so many things. When we were in Honduras, I'd watch these people come into church and I'd go to their houses and we'd sit around their houses and we'd drink coffee with them and we'd talk to them and they, they some of them had dirt floors. Um, I kind of lost it last night when I got home because I hadn't been in the car two minutes from the airport and my kids were fighting over an iPhone and I snapped just a wee bit. I said, there are kids sleeping on dirt floors tonight. We're not fighting over an iPhone. Right? Exercising my authority. And And... And when you see this, man, you see uh, that, that, that this crown of life has very little to do with what we have. It has much more to do with who has us. Because I saw more joy in the toothless smiles of some of these Hondurans than I see in people who live in the biggest houses, have the most things, have the most junk, and have the most obstacles to their entry into the kingdom of God. And so it has very little to do with what we have. It has everything to do with who has us and who has our heart. And I would encourage you today, hold on to the thing that really, really matters, not the thing that you think can somehow bring security, can bring happiness, because I'm telling you, it is fleeing. It is fast. It seems like yesterday I was 12. I was my son's age. uh, And now I'm turning 40 in October. I remember when 40 was ancient, like 40 was just one step before death, right? Now I'm like, man, I'm a young man. And, and, and I just want you to see this. Take hold, hold on to the crown. And it says, him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I want you to see in this, I want you to understand what God is telling them, is if you'll just hold on, if you'll persevere in faith, if you'll just hold on to the one who's taking hold of you, understanding that that no one can take you away from me, just hold to me. Cling to the crown of life. Cling cling and hold on to it. What he's telling them is I'm going to give you permanence in my presence the greatest reward He gives us is Himself. It's why if we don't love Jesus now, why would we want to spend eternity with Him when we die? If we don't want to be in His presence now, why would we, we care to be in eternity with Him? He's saying, what I'm going to give you, the greatest prize you're going to receive is me. He says, I'll make you a pillar. What does a pillar represent? It represents strength. It represents true security, right? It represents something that's unshakable. The city of Philadelphia was known as the city of earthquakes because it was, sh- it was shook. But see, what God wants him to see is I'll make you such a person. I'll give you such a heart. I'll make you, uh, as you hold on to me, such a person that even when the earth shakes, you can stand firm. Even when the earth shakes, you can stand firm. He says, I'm putting my name on you permanently. no one's going to take that off of you. Now cling to me and live the life that I've called you to live. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about like, what do we have to do to take advantage of this opportunity that God set before us? And the very first thing I believe is this. I believe that the number one thing we have to do is remember why we have this opportunity. Because see, before the the, the door of salvation stands a bloody cross that created that way of entry. Before the door of salvation is a cross with the blood of Jesus stained on it that says if you want to come to the other side, you have to pass through this. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus took our sin. On the cross, he took our punishment. On the cross, he bore our sin. He took our punishment so that we wouldn't have to because it was more than we could stand. And he made the greatest exchange that's ever been made. He gave us his righteousness and took all of our mess. So that now we can enter in. If you were to think about it, I, I, I just envision. Uh, a, door right here that has been open and the cross is here and and this is the only way and it's narrow and the world tells us there's all kinds of ways that we can go but this way is narrow this way is is but this way is sure this way is true and if we just come in through the cross through faith in Christ through the grace that God offers us we come into salvation and that first door is the door of salvation but i want you to picture this other door right here and see we come into this position with Christ we come into this position as a son we come into his position adopted as his child and here's how we go out. We walk out this other door of opportunity called service and we go into the world. So what I want you to see today is that we come in so that we can go out. We don't come in so that we can just look in and, and, and just sit around and talk in our holy huddle. We come in so that we can go out in service so we can go out to Statesboro, so that we can go out to Vidalia and Lyons, so that we can go out to Honduras, so we can go to every nation under heaven to spread this great news of the gospel. This isn't something for pastors, this is something for every person who claims Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. This is something for each one of us to do, to take take hold of and realize that God's calling us into this. Another thing that we have to do is we have to keep looking out. We can't begin to look in. See, when we had seven people six and a half years ago, it was easy to look out because all of us were family. We were tired of looking at each other. But as the church grows, the voices on the inside have a tendency to get louder than the voices on the outside. May that never be true of Connection Church. May we realize that it's not about us and continue to look out. So we quit worrying about all these little things. You want me to tell you how I know when someone is just living a religious life and they're not really doing anything for Christ, they complain about stupid stuff. Because that tells me you got nothing else to do. I would say, let's come in the door of salvation, yes, but let's go out the door of service to the world. we got to keep looking out. we got to keep loving people who are unlovable we got to love the people nobody else wants. That's what Jesus did. He loved people that nobody else wants. Send those to us, right? It's messy and it's difficult, but God never said this was going to be easy. But send those to us. God, please, let us be in the trenches with each other. See, another thing that we have to do is we have to serve selflessly. We have to realize that God's called us to do this. See, I read this quote and it has stuck with me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And the quote went something like this. It basically said, if your faith has not saved you out of selfishness into selfless service, then it is very doubtful that your faith will save you out of hell and into heaven. It's like, wow. It made me check my heart. Is this thing still about me? Or has my faith done something in my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit that tells me it's not about me any longer? Something else that we've got to do is we've we've got to continue to give generously. If we want to reach people, listen, I believe we can make a huge impact in Honduras. We've We've got to continue to give generously as a church, as people. We've got to continue. We got to go above and beyond we got to find joy in that and the last thing we got to do is we got to go together on this mission of God in a community together bound together by something bigger than, than our preferences bound us together by something bigger than whether we like to attend a church with drums and guitars or pipe organs Bound by something bigger than, do I like to go to church with with a suit and tie on or with flip-flops and shorts on? Bound by something bigger called the gospel. Bound by something bigger by by the name of Jesus. So that when we run, we run together. We don't hold back, but we run together. And see, uh, what I did in that is I named out all four of the church cultures that we believe are vital, that we see in Acts 2:42 through 47. Evangelism, generosity, service, and community. But see, those can't just be something that look cute, bullet-pointed, under a mission statement. Those have to be our way of life. And see, we don't become more like those cultures by simply uh, focusing on the cultures. We become like those cultures by focusing on Him and Him working through us. But where are we focused today? Maybe you've walked through the door of salvation, but are you, have you gone out? Maybe you've come in, but are you going out? And today God's challenging you to step out of your comfort zone. I promise you this. And you can ask anybody on our staff and anybody that's close to me. I step out of my comfort zone every time I step up here. This is not probably politically correct, but I just about wet my pants every time I have to preach because it makes me so nervous. And yet God's called me to do this. I know he's called me to do this. What's he called you to do? Has he called you to serve in this church? Yes, but what about outside this church? Has he called you to make him known? To make his name known to people who don't know him? See, we're surrounded by people who've heard the name of Jesus, but many of them have never heard the gospel and what it really means. All we have is this form of godliness that surrounds us without People experiencing the power of God that salvation. So maybe you've come in, but today is the day that you, it's time to go out. It's time to recognize the opportunity that is there. That God says he opened for Philadelphia and that he is open for us. And then for some of us, we, we haven't yet walked through that first door. We haven't yet said yes to Jesus. We haven't entered into the kingdom. And before you say, well, I know I've done that, let me tell you this. It is possible to go your entire life going through the motions of church and yet find yourself outside the door of the kingdom. Have you entered in? That's a question that you only you know in your heart. Have I made Jesus my Lord and Savior? Have I said yes to him? Is there any evidence of him in my life? Is there any fruit? Is anything taking place that that is different in me since I've met him? Because one thing I can tell you is that you don't meet Jesus, say yes to him as your Lord and Savior, and stay the same for the rest of your life. He works in us to change us. He works in us to love people, to to care about people's salvation. He works in us to bring people closer. To him, he works in us to have more joy, to have more peace, to have more patience, to have more kindness, to be better, to be good to people. Not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation, because of the Spirit living in us. But have you walked through that first door? Where are you on this this little uh, made-up door house thingy? Right? Have you? Are you outside the first door? have you walked in but you haven't gone out where are you at on this spectrum because God wants to use you when I had an opportunity to preach I prayed I didn't find out I was preaching until uh, Saturday night it's like great it's like what do y'all preach about over here I mean I know the gospel but it's like you just preach the gospel I can't really go and you know preach about big houses and a lot of money prosperity gospel it don't work over there right was so, like So you just want me to preach the gospel? I mean, I can preach the gospel. That's all I really know to preach. And he was like, yeah, just give them hope in the gospel. And the one thing that the Lord put in my heart to tell them was out of Zephaniah 3.17, which I found out none of them knew where that was. And, and, and was to tell them that God, you matter to God. That God cares for you. That God has a plan and a purpose for you. That passage says that God sings over us. It tells me that God highly values us. And he values us and he wants to use us. But have you come through that door of salvation? Have you gone out the door of service? That's my question to you this morning. And I am going to ask you, just, just point blank, just, just being bold. If you would say today, I've never done that. I've never said yes. I've never walked through that first door. I've never walked into salvation. I've never said yes uh, in faith to Jesus. Then today, today's the day of salvation. Remember, let's, let's go through the door while the door is open. Many times people say, I want to clean up before I get saved. The reality of it is you can't clean yourself up enough for God. Unless you let God clean you up, you'll never be clean enough for him. We don't clean up and then come to him. We come to him and he begins to change us. But you never come through that door of salvation. And today you would say, I swear I'm at. That's what I need. That's what I want. I want you to ask you right now, would you just stick your hand up in the air? Let us celebrate with you and let us walk this out with you as you walk through this first door. Let us show you the next steps to take as you go from that door. Would you raise your hand? Be bold enough and brave enough. Okay, one in the back right there. Amen. See us the same good news around the world that changes hearts and changes lives. If you're here, just raise your hand. We've already got one, we broke the ice, right? If you're here and that's in your heart. Well, here's the next question I have for you. You're ready to go out. You say, I know I'm here and, and, and I'm ready to walk out that door of service. I'm ready to go into the world, I'm ready to proclaim the gospel, but I need some courage, I need some boldness in my life, because this isn't natural for me. It's way out of my comfort zone. I want to pray for that for you today. And I'm going to ask you today, if you're ready to run with this mission together, if you're ready to go into the world and proclaim the gospel, uh, taking advantage of every opportunity, every door of opportunity that we have, would you, would you do this with me today? Do you stand up and acknowledge the fact that I'm ready to go? I'm ready to step out of that door. I'm ready to go into the world. I'm ready to see the world change and transform. But we need courage. We need boldness. We need something that doesn't come from within ourselves. Maybe your first step is standing up because you're nervous about even making that statement and standing up. And maybe the Spirit's prompting you right now and your heart's beating 100 miles an hour. Maybe your first step is just standing in front of people that we know are Christians and we know are filled with the Spirit of God. But here's the reality. And we're called to do this. This is our call. This is what we're here for. This is our purpose. This is the greater purpose of our life. Let's go and let's run together. Let's get this done. I believe with all my heart that we're going to reach ten thousand people with the gospel of Jesus Christ by the year twenty twenty three. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. I know how we're going to preach the gospel and we're going to serve and we're going to love the unlovable. And if they want to pray for us, that God would just quicken that in our heart, that it would stay before us. That vision would be before us, and we would go and we would take advantage of the opportunities God's given us. We wouldn't get to the end of our life and ask, What if? What if I had? What if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? But we would take advantage of every opportunity that God puts before us, even when we feel like it's going to kill us, and even when our heart is beating 100 miles an hour, and we can't hardly open our mouths. And listen, 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 we need to give God our lives like a blank check so that he can write on them what he wishes. We just hand it to him and say, God, you fill it out. You fill it out. I surrender to you. So Father, today, that's what we thank you for is the opportunity to serve you. God, whether it's in a classroom, God, whether it's in a doctor's office, whether it's in a lawyer's office, whether it's in a work truck, whether it's coming down in a bus down in mountains, from a mission trip, thinking that the mission is over. God, thank you that your mission is never over. Thank you, God, that wherever we are, there you are, and there's the opportunity. Let us take advantage of that, God. Let us see that it never quits, it never stops, it never goes away, God. As long as we have breath in our bodies, you have a purpose for our lives. Now, God, use us. We give you our lives as a blank check. Take us where you want us to go, God. Only let us see people come closer to you. Do a great work, Lord. God, we've seen you do great things in six years, six and a half years, but I truly believe it's just the beginning. There are people around the world who are dying apart from you. Give us hearts to go. Give us hearts to share with the person next to us. Give us hearts to be patient with those who have hard hearts. And God, let us see the miracle of you transforming the heart into the soft and pliable heart that receives the good seed of your word and ultimately produces fruit. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the faithful. I thank you for the people who are digging in. I thank you for the people who've dug their heels in, who've dug the trenches, and who are in the trenches, and who are advancing with the gospel, going into this city, into this community, in Vidalia, in Lyons, in Statesboro, all around. Who were going after the lost. Let us continue to be people who are after the lost, who are after your heart. God, do that in us. Do that in us, Lord. Jesus' name, the power and the authority of Christ who opens doors no one can open and shuts doors no one can shut. It's in his name we pray, Lord. Amen.